It's the Matt Collins Show. It's the Matt Collins Show. Hey guys. Hi there. Hey. How's it going? Hi. How you doing? Yeah. This is how I talk now. Yeah. Oh. Oh. <clears throat> okay. No, no. Don't do that, please. Please, please don't do that. That is no way to start a podcast. That is no way to retain listeners for one's fledgling podcast. Guys, guys, guys. Um, I'm going to talk like this now because this is how I talk. My name is Matt Colick. And uh, you're listening to episode nine of the Matt Colick Show, my podcast about me, Matt Colick. Um, today's episode, um, I'm not sure what I'm going to call it yet. Maybe gear medication. Uh, we'll get into what that <laughs> that phrase means a little later. Um, yeah, so it's episode nine of the podcast. It's uh, Monday, May 18th. It's 7.59 p.m. Mountain Daylight Time. This is the latest I've ever done one of these things. Uh, because I spent most of the day procrastinating um, over a project that ultimately took me like 20 minutes to do. So yeah, it's been uh, that's been kind of how things are. If you heard me last week, I talked a lot about um, my my day job and all the challenges associated with that and how I have kind of one big project to do. Um, there was a smaller project kind of inserted into the midst of this large project. Uh, turns out there was a previous thing I did that uh, the client decided now in the middle of publishing that they wanted some things changed and added to it, which, boy, that's super annoying. Um, I almost didn't do it out of principle, but then, like, I don't know. It's not worth the... Uh, the the sore feelings that would generate among people that I have to continue to work with over the next few weeks as I finish finish this work. So that's what I was doing today. I had to do some editing and adding and uh, stuff like that to a document I wrote for somebody else. Who gives a shit? God damn it! Uh, but that that's what I spent the day doing. But really, like I said, it took me about 20 minutes to do most of the time I was just sitting here in my chair, uh, looking at guitar stuff, looking at gear, looking at guitar pedals, uh, amplifiers, uh, pickups, uh, loaded pick guards, things of that nature. So um, stuff like that's been happening. Uh, it was a weekend. I'm feeling honestly pretty stressed out, anxious, uh, not really feeling the music lately, largely because of what I talked about last week. Uh, with the day job stuff. So um, I really even shouldn't, I shouldn't even be recording a podcast right now. I should be focused on the work stuff or I should be focused on uh, reducing my baseline anxiety level. So yeah, that's what's going on here. Uh, just a quick, uh, not a recap, but a rundown of what happened over the weekend. Let's see here. I tried to play some music. I kind of envisioned myself, hey, it's the weekend. Nobody's going to be bothering me about deadlines or anything. And uh, I've got, got the house to myself for a significant amount of time. I'm going to play some music and uh, be loud and uh, get into that spirit, the spirit, uh, the spirit of the of of the engaged and enchanted musician, uh, which is usually where I find myself when I pick up my guitar and start playing some songs. Often it does take me a minute to to get up to speed, to get it warmed up, to get get kind of broken in with my voice and with my with my my fingers. Um, 
But this weekend, I just wasn't feeling it. I, I worked through a few songs and like there were a few moments where I was I was getting to the place, but I just wasn't feeling it. And that kind of put a cramp in my weekend plans, because if I wasn't going to play music, what was uh, what was plan B? Um, I didn't really feel like going outside. There's too many people around on the weekends. I certainly wasn't going to do any work. Uh, I didn't feel like reading a book or anything like that. There's like no TV shows like I'm super into watching right now. Uh, so I ended up just kind of like doing internet research on things. And I, I noticed that I kind of, um, and this is where the title of the episode gear medication comes in. This is what I do. Sometimes I kind of withdraw from the world and I go online, uh, and I, and I make mental and sometimes actual wish lists, of uh, things I want to buy, and I fantasize about all the things I'm going to purchase that are going to advance me and uh, my career and and uh, stuff like that. So I, I looked up a lot of um, guitar stuff mainly, but also some uh, like recording gear. I, there's just so much stuff I need. I could spend thousands of dollars right now uh, if I wanted to on, on gear that... Um, I honestly don't need. I have everything I need, but uh, I spent a lot of time over the weekend uh, just just thinking about gear, thinking about guitar pickups and pedals and amplifiers and combinations and pedal boards and power supplies. So yeah, um, I decided to kind of just lounge and read. I rolled a few joints. I smoked a few joints. Um, I thought a lot about today, which was the day I had to sit down and actually get to work on things. And as you heard, I did get to work on some things and got, got some stuff done. Um, yeah, that's, that's really all it was though. Um, man, not, I wouldn't call it a, a waste of a weekend, but it was just kind of in limbo thinking about, how what I wanted to do wasn't working and how <laughs> what would work wasn't what I wanted to do. Um, over the weekend, what else happened? There were some deaths. Um, Fred Willard. Fred Willard, he was 86. Um, one of the funniest people who ever lived, truly. Uh, and he was in stuff like up until like well into his 80s. Like last year he was on that show, I Think You Should Leave, uh, the sketch comedy show on Netflix, which I recommend highly. Um he played an overzealous, wacky um, church organist uh, uh, who was filling in for the regular organist at a funeral. Um, man, he's just so naturally funny. Uh, everything he was in, he had, he added he added humor to, um, even well into his eighties. Like I said, uh, the other major uh, death I, I'm thinking of is Lynn Shelton, who was fifty six. She's a director, a feature film writer, director, and also a, a notable television director. Um, she was known for her like quick, um, efficient style of directing and her, her way of working with actors. Um, and thus that, that made her like perfect for directing television where you have to like get shit done and uh, manage a lot of people to create something pretty big over a short amount of time. Um, she probably, as I tweeted about her on Saturday, I, I think, um, Saturday or Sunday, she probably directed at least one or two episodes of your favorite show. Um, I heard about her death on Saturday, I believe. Uh, Annie and I are, of course, in the middle of a Mad Men rewatch for me, just a watch for her. And the, uh, 
episode, her first, I think she only directed one, but it's called um, Hands and Knees. Uh, we're in the middle of season four, and that episode was one that we watched Saturday night in the middle of our rewatch. It just happened to be the episode that came up uh, after we learned of her death. Um, man, what a great episode of television. Today I was reading a little bit about her, and um, gosh, it's so heartbreaking. She's only 56 years old, but that was actually the first episode of any TV show she directed. And it's like the most prestigious drama on television, Mad Men. And she fucking killed it. That is a great episode in a great season of a great, great, uh, great show. Um, she directed, of course, episodes of Glow, a lot of TV comedies and dramedies, stuff like that. Um, like her name just popped up everywhere. Uh, she recently directed, uh, wrote and directed the feature film Sword of Trust, which came out last year um, and got glowing reviews. And um, I think audiences liked it too. I, I haven't seen it. I've been meaning to watch it. Uh, it stars Mark Marin, the podcaster who has influenced me quite a bit in terms of podcasting. Um, yeah, like that. They, they um, they were also partners uh, for the last year. Those those two had been dating. I heard a lot about their personal lives together, uh, listening to Mark Maron's WTF podcast. Um, and it was it was really sweet that these these two people in their 50s uh, found each other and like really seemed to make each other better. And not only were romantic partners, but were creative collaborators. Like, how awesome is that? Um and I think about like if if Annie passed away, like if that came up suddenly, uh, was suddenly a thing that had to happen. How impossible would that be for me to deal with? Oh my God, I can't imagine. It's just heartbreaking uh, the the loss of somebody, and then the, what that loss makes one think about. Um, yeah, I haven't listened to today's Mark Maron WTF podcast. Uh, he did release one today. Uh, where I understand he talked briefly about what, what happened. Um, they were, of course, living together. I, I think he said that the last time he saw her was when she collapsed on the floor on her way to the bathroom in the middle of the night, and he called an ambulance, and they took her away, and that's the last time he saw her alive. And Jesus fucking Christ, how sad, how tragic. Um, last week in his email, I ha like I've, I think I mentioned to my audience here, I haven't listened to WTF, the Mark Maron podcast in a while because it's, I just haven't been into those types of in interviews with like celebrities and stuff like that. But I have been reading his email where he kind of catches people up uh, every Monday. And uh, last week he sent an email saying that Lynn Shelton had been sick and they went to the doctor and they were re relieved to find out that it wasn't COVID. But actually it turns out it was this. Um, just terrible, just fucking tragic. So, um, Lynn Shelton, what a, what a great talent and, uh, what a remarkable person. Everybody who's, who, who's uh, like, nobody has ever said anything bad about Lynn Shelton. People have said just the nicest things about her and how great a person she was, uh, not only just talented as a filmmaker, but just a wonderful human being who made other people feel special, uh, which is one of the great skills to have as a, as a director, um, to make other people feel special. Because you have to get people to do things for you. <laughs> so a uh, great way to do that is to make them feel special. And uh, Lynn Shelton apparently was very, very naturally, genuinely, authentically gifted at that. Um, and she will be missed. She will be missed. Um, God, it's so fucking sad to think about. I feel like she was just getting started in her film career, too. Um, exciting to see what she was up to. And she had a whole style and a whole vibe all her own, kind of half scripted, half improvised, sort of ramshackle, but like full of heart and like human connection. Um, 
that's 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 what you can say about Lynn Shelton's work as a director. Uh, something I read about her today uh, that that somebody noted was that she was the master of the sort of unexpected, sort of inappropriate laugh, like when a character is so shocked or crestfallen or taken aback by something that all they can do is laugh. Um, it's and um, that was she was kind of the master of getting that out of actors in performances, and um, there are examples of that everywhere. Watch something by Lynn Shelton, friends. Watch something by Lynn Shelton. Uh, fire up an episode. Uh, check out her IMDb. The chances are there's an episode of a television show that you've been meaning to watch anyway, uh, or there's an episode that is one of your beloved favorites. Fire it up and, and pay tribute to Lynn Shelton. As I like to, I, I, I like to say, um, I think it's so important to pay attention to the people who create the things we consume. Um, it's so easy these days to just say, I'm watching Netflix or I'm listening to Spotify. Uh, and friends, those are the corporations that are like curating the content and like they want you to have uh, have that association as if they are the creators of the content. No, they're not. They aren't the people who create the content. Um, and I th- hope in this new world that we're building when we come out of uh, everything that's happening now with COVID, coronavirus, that the new world... Um, is one where people value the creators of things more than the um, corporations that exploit those create creators. So Lynn Shelton, pay, it, uh, pay attention, pay attention. Uh, watch, watch something that Lynn Shelton did. Uh, you'll enjoy yourself. Uh, okay, that that was the weekend. Uh, kind of flew by. Flew by. Uh, we watched lots of Mad Men. We did lots of just sitting around. Oh, we've got this huge fucking moth infestation happening. The whole city is infested with moths. It was like this last summer too. Um, it's just terrible. You've got to bat them away. Like the, the atmosphere is like 20% moth at this time. Um, it's really fucking annoying, you know, in like a week they'll all be gone and it'll be like a, a, a half memory. But right now it's hard it's hard to think of anything but moths because they're dominating the, the skies uh, here in Albuquerque. All right, that's all I got for this segment. I'm going to come back and talk a little more about uh, guitar gear, buying stuff, um, all that kind of stuff. So I'll be right back. Friends, stick around. Hey, 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 welcome back. I, I failed to mention that today's show is sponsored by no one. I have no sponsors. Why would I have sponsors? It's only the ninth episode of my podcast, and I'm not a well-known person, so um, I'm not tripping. <laughs> not about that anyway. So yeah, today is uh, Monday, May 18th, 2020, uh, just after 8 o'clock p.m., sitting here in the office... It was a warm one today here in Albuquerque. I think we hit 93 or 94 degrees. We've had the swamp cooler on most of the day. Uh, as I was talking about earlier, I spent a lot of the weekend like fantasizing about gear, um, musical gear. I have not tip, uh, traditionally been a gearhead type of person. Uh, there are a lot of musicians who are really into gear. And by gear, I mean like not just the instruments, but like effects and amplifiers and cables and doodads and gizmos and gadgets and, and, and just 
stuff, devices that do things. Um, me, I'm a guitar player primarily. I'm also a vocalist. I'm, I'm proud to say I'm, I'm now a very good go- vocalist. Um, and I like I, I screw around with the keyboard a little bit. I'm a recording engineer and a recording artist slash producer. Um, I mess around with the bass. I play live. So there are a lot of different areas of my musical life that kind of require interfacing with different types of gear, like objects, materials, and devices. So like, um, and I'm not like usually a person who likes to talk about gear. Like I just like, just give me an instrument and let me play it. Um, like I care about like strings and picks, stuff like that. The things that actually directly touch me. Um, and I want stuff to work. Like it, it pisses me off when things don't work. Like if I have a shitty cable or an amp that's acting up and just, just not making any usable sounds. But usually like if something at least works, that's all I require. I just need a baseline level of the shit works. Um, most of my guitar playing life, I've been a player who, um, I have a guitar and I plug a cable into that guitar, and then on the other end, that cable's plugged directly into an amplifier, and that amplifier's plugged into the wall. Um, that's my setup. Very simple, basic. I've never been like an effects pedal person. Um, I think early on in my guitar player playing career, I might have had like three or four different things here and there. I think I had like a Boss Metal Zone pedal when I was 13 or something. Uh, and a couple like different distortion pedals and flangers and phasers. I think I had a digital delay for a little while, but I've never gigged with pedals. Uh, the only pedal I've ever gigged with is a tuner pedal. Um, and then like the channel switching foot switch for whatever amplifier I've been playing. Um, I did a guitar stories video recently, and you can check that out on my YouTube page. Uh, search YouTube for Matt Colick and it'll be up there. But I talk about my acoustic guitar, which is a Breedlove made in China, um, like single cutaway guitar that I got, uh, let's see, back in 2014. We're approaching the six year anniversary of my purchase of that guitar. Um, it's just a simple, basic, no frills guitar that I, I haven't done anything to. I haven't replaced anything except for the tuners because one of them was fucking up. Um, and I've had um, my guitar tech, my guitar tech, Annie's dad, Ron, um, like do, um, um, what do they call it? A fret refinish. Um, and he's done some setups on it, stuff like that. I think he replaced the bridge saddle, things like that. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't really give two shits about anything other than like, if it sounds good, but like playing gigs, like I had to buy a PA system. Um, I've had to be concerned about how the guitar and my voice sound through the PA system in a live setting. Um, I need to have like cables that I can depend on. Um, I have an electric guitar now that like, this is my big project or one of my big projects. In addition to recording a couple albums and, uh, getting this podcast kind of, uh, off the ground some more and, uh, trying to finish all this day job stuff. One of my other big projects is this $128 guitar I got from monoprice.com last year. It's a Strat copy. 
uh, three three single coil pickups, maple neck, uh, like flame veneer thing on the on the body. I think it's just like alder wood. Um, I bought it basically because it was cheap, well reviewed, and a good platform for turning it into something nice. Um, I used to play really nice guitars when I was a teenager, and I'd hang out at the music store and like they were nice enough to let me just go behind the counter and pluck whatever vintage guitar off the wall and plug it into whatever vintage amplifier and and play all day long. Um, but then I became poor and that's another reason why I never really got into pedals was because like I kind of got intimidated by them and I got really good really, really early on as a guitar player. And like, I didn't really need them the way some players kind of need them to kind of expand their sound. And, um, like a lot of players get better by increasing their tonal possibilities by playing with pedals. It kind of opens their, expands their imaginations up, which translates into actually better playing technique, um, more imaginative playing technique. Uh, for me, it was more about, I need to get rid of these pedals so I can just focus on my technique and, and maximize what I'm doing there. Um, so I learned how to play, um, a lot by using the, the, uh, pickup selector controls, volume and tone controls on, on the guitar itself, as well as like varying the, uh, the attack and, um, whether I'm using my fingers or a pick and the, uh, the attack of the pick, that's why I use relatively heavy picks, the one millimeter Dunlop Tortex picks. Um, you have a lot more control with those, I feel like, um, and just the way, like where you're attacking the strings and the speed and force with which you're attacking the strings, you can do so much with tone, uh, just by doing that. Um, and just by manipulating the volume control on your guitar and how it interacts with the controls on your amplifier, there's so much that can be done there. Um, that I was, I'm proud to say, I figured out how to do all that shit really well. Um, and I played in bands with, like I said, just a tuner pedal. And then like, I would have an amp where it would have one channel where that was clean and one channel that was dirty for distortion. Um, like no EQs or boosts or drives or flangers or phasers, delays or choruses or vibes or anything like that. Um, and that was the way I played guitar. I became a, an acoustic guitar pro player primarily when I moved to Albuquerque, as you've heard me talk about quite a bit. Um, and now I want, like, I feel like I want to be the type of player who is known for their tone, uh, known for their gear. Like I want people that I, I feel like that's a useful thing to generate interest in. Um, that's another avenue through which people can learn about me and become interested in me and have opinions about me and and to uh, point their perception at me. That's another way th through which they can do that uh, is if I kind of get into the gear, if I get into tone more seriously, if I'm more adult about it, if I use my money to buy the things I need to make the sounds I want instead of just being poor and blowing my money on cigarettes and beer and weed and um, and then having to sell all my guitars. And then uh, later when I want to play guitar, I just buy the cheapest guitar I can find be, um, instead of paying rent. Uh, <laughs> what a life. What a fun life. Uh, I don't want to live that way anymore. I want to have like nice things. So I bought this cheap ass guitar, but it's a nice couple of pieces of wood. Um, and I want to play with pedals. I want to have like different tones. I, I want to like, like these songs I've been writing are so, um, 
dynamic and colorful and I, I feel like I need to respect them with the guitar tones I'm making so I feel like with this Strat as my basis the Stratocaster style guitar like I'm I've, I've basically decided that I'm a Strat guy certainly a Fender style guy the 25 and a half inch scale length really works best for me um, in the past I've been a total vintage Gibson guy um, but I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm identifying myself as a Strat guy and a tone guy, a guy who plays with pedals, and a, a person who plays uh, through nice amplifiers. Um, I'll probably play other guitars, but like this is the foundation, this is the basis. So, ah, so here we are. It's like wish lists, fantasies. Um, it's the same exact feeling as when I was a kid looking at the Montgomery Ward or Sears uh, wish book for, for Christmas. Exactly like that. Uh, all the thoughts of, ooh, am I going to get it all? When am I going to get it all? Uh, like fantasizing about having it all, what it's going to look like to have all the toys I want, uh, how I'm going to use them, how I'm going to use them together um, and in sequence with each other or uh, parallel um, with each other. Um, of course, now there are costs involved. I am a, an adult person. I have to eat. I uh, probably should pay rent, which no, nobody should be paying rent right now. But I, I'm, you know, <laughs> that's that's where money needs to go. Um, and I've never had like a nice guitar rig, always half-ass, unprofessional, shitty cables, not maintained properly. Um, and now it's like fun to fantasize about this stuff. So in this sort of kind of low depressed state I'm in where I feel like here I am putting music on the back burner again and I have to focus on this day job bullshit. It's been fun to withdraw into the world of like looking at sweetwater.com and reverb.com and uh, Lindy Fralin pickups. Like I'm looking at getting a loaded pick guard for my guitar, which means it's a the pick guard is the big piece of plastic on the body of a Fender Stratocaster that houses the electronics and, and shit like that. Um, the pickups, um, the volume and tone knobs, the pickup selector and whatever other doodads one might install. So I'm looking at getting one of those, which is going to cost like three times what I paid for the guitar in the first place. Uh, and that will um, improve my tone dramatically. Like, that's going to be a fucking awesome guitar to play once I put that new pick guard in there. Um, I need to change the tuners, put some locking tuners on there, and I definitely need to change the nut to like a graphite or tusk bone nut. Uh, something like that's more lubricated and slippery. Uh, it's It actually stays in tune and like plays really well, even with wild uh, whammy bar bullshit. Um, because I do like to use the tremolo arm. I like to use the whammy bar, the vibrato, whatever you want to call it. I like to use it a lot. I don't like to use it blocked like a lot of strap players do where it's just there for the tone from the springs, but they're not actually employing it. I, I like to actually use it. Um, so it's, Desperately needs to, I desperately require the guitar to stay in tune. So it needs the good tuners, the good nut, and it needs a good setup. So 
I'm going to get all this shit and have it installed and I'm going to feel really, really fucking good about it. And I've been really, really excited just looking at like the pickups and the different tuners. Um, I've been looking at amplifiers. My friend Byron of ByronAmplification.com, based in Columbia, Missouri, he hand wires and builds amplifiers. Um, That's his business. Um, He makes pedals too. So this is all very exciting uh, for the fact that I get to help out my friend, my friend, my childhood friend. I get to help his business by by engaging in these fantasies so um oh by the way i'm getting my byron uh, byron amps hat and t-shirt tomorrow i'm very excited for that uh i've been looking for new stuff to cover my bald head and to wear underneath my jumpsuits so there's that so uh, anyway byron has told me about this um pack horse model amplifier uh, that he's made. He made the original like in an old ammo can that belonged to his late father. Um, And it's a really cool amplifier. Uh, It's based on the 1962 Fender Tremolux. And uh, this one, the way he's making it, it's 20 watts or 22 watts. I'm not sure. Um, and it's got the uh, the 6v6 tubes in it. So it's, it's basically like the Fender style amplifier, but super versatile, super nice to use with pedals. Like I imagine like I can plug it in and like turn it up and give it a nice sort of on the verge of crunch sound and then roll off my guitar's volume for a nice clean sound, add in the pedals. Um it's going to be built amazingly well and last for a long time. And it's going to sound fucking amazing and unique. Um, and that would be so fucking cool to have. Um, I can't pay Byron for something like that right now, though. But boy, I've been thinking a lot about it. Um, I've been thinking about buying um, a trainer YCV 50 blue 50 watt combo guitar amplifier, um, which is the amplifier I, I played. Um, I used when I was in the band, the No and Maybe game back when back in Madison, Wisconsin. Um, that was an amazing, amazing amplifier that's like I'm I. I I feel like that amplifier is going to be considered legendary at some point in the future. It's not there yet. In fact, if you find one used, you can get it for like $400 to $500. So um, I want to buy one of those too. Um, And I'd love to have like a Fender Deluxe Reverb um, or rather, no, a Blues Deluxe, like the ones they made in the 90s. Like that was the first serious amplifier I ever owned. If I could get one of those, that would be great. Like those three amplifiers. Just imagine what I could do with those and the pedals and this guitar I'm building. Um, uh, It's just so much, so much to fantasize about. Um, Right now, I... Like I said, I actually do have everything I need. I don't need more gear, uh, but I want it. I want it. And it's a way for me to like withdraw from the depressed areas of life that I seem to be traveling through right now. Um, But it's also like, if I'm going to be a serious musician, a professional, like this is the shit professional musicians do. Like they have fucking good gear. Like they don't fuck around with bullshit. They don't fuck around with consumer level shit. Um, so I'm going to get some good fucking gear that's worthy of my status as a professional, excellent musician. So that's, um, man, that's, that's what's going on with that stuff. Then that's kind of all the stuff that dominated my weekend. Um, right now I've got like this acoustic guitar I mentioned, that electric guitar that I'm, I'm building. I have a shitty like $100 bass guitar I'm using as just like a basic bass that's good enough for recording. And 
um, whatever I'm doing here. Um, I've got like a, a MIDI keyboard that I can play through software synthesizers and, and software instruments and stuff like that. I've got a MacBook Air. I've got some M-Audio powered monitor speakers, the Focusrite Scarlett audio interface. It's the 2i4, I believe. Uh, I've got this Yamaha uh, StagePass 400i PA system. Um, yeah, that's my gear, man. <laughs> I've got the Byron Amplification Bow Drive pedal, which is uh, Byron's take on the Klon Centaur pedal. Um, it's fucking amazing. Like I know, I, I don't really like. I said, I like I've been saying, I'm not like a, I haven't been a pedal person or a gear nerd, so I don't really know about the legend of the Klon Centaur. Uh, now I know about it because I've been reading about it, uh, having purchased this pedal from Byron. Um, it's just such an amazingly versatile pedal. Like it's give you, it can give you a nice clean boost to drive your amplifier a little more. It's got a really, really good sounding drive to just give your sound a little more hair and sustain and uh, crunch. Um, it's got a, a tone, uh, like a, like it's basically a treble control, I, I, I think. Um, that you can add some brightness to the sound. I like to set that at like, like two o'clock, uh, which is really the sweet spot for me. Like, God, I, I feel like I want three or four of these bow drive pedals. Um, that's like, and I, I feel like I've mentioned this in the podcast before that right now is the strongest and the nicest thing in my guitar signal path. Ah, all right. Um, actually I'm thinking about selling my PA system given the realities of, of today and COVID and staying at home and nobody's playing shows. Uh, I haven't used the thing in a long time. Um, I could use the money, but then again, like who's buying PA gear at this time? So who knows? Um, yeah. So guys, that's, uh, I guess that's all I have to talk about today. Uh, I just wanted to get all this gear shit off my chest. That's what's been on my mind. Uh, this has been episode nine of the podcast. I love that you're here listening. Um, it means so much that that you've you've been a part of my audience this this whole time, or maybe you're new to the podcast. Thank you, welcome. I hope you stick around. I hope you check out previous episodes. Um, there are three interview episodes of the podcast available. Those are episodes two, three, and four. Check those out. Um, you may not know the people I interviewed, but they're great stories, all of them. I inter interviewed Jason and Melissa Katinger of Mary Dean. Um, I also interviewed Kira Holt, and I interviewed Melissa Rios. All wonderful people and excellent interviews, if I do say so myself. Um, what else is going on? I, I love that you're supporting me by listening to the podcast. That's enough. But if you want to go farther, uh, visit my Patreon and subscribe there. You can do so for as little as $1 a month. That's patreon.com forward slash Matt Colick. Patreon.com forward slash M-A-T-T-K-O-L-L-O-C-K.com. Um, I will probably be releasing a bonus episode of this podcast uh, within the next 10 to 14 days, let's say, 7 to 14 days, let's say, um, and that will be available only on the Patreon for subscribers at the $5 and above level. So something to think about there. Um, I would love to hear from you, friends. Um, 
and let and hear what you think about the podcast and how it's going thus far. Uh, if you have any questions or suggestions or comments, uh, I'd just love to hear from you. And it would be great to have a mailbag episode of the show. Ooh, that would be something. Um, so, yeah, please send an email to matt at mattkolick.com, matt at M-A-T-T-K-O-L-L-O-C-K.com. And uh, visit the website, mattkolick.com. That's where all the stuff goes. That's where all the stuff lives. Um, and that's where you can sign up for the uh, email list where um, that's like where you can hear about things before anyone else. Um, so if you want to prove to the world and to me and to uh, and to yourself, I suppose, that you are a Matt Colick super fan, uh, sign up for the email list, become a patron, do all the stuff. Um, if you don't want to prove to anybody that you're a Matt Colick super fan, I love you just as much. And um, I'm just glad you're here listening. Guys, I'm going to try to do another one next week. So (laughs) May 25th, Monday, uh, let's see if we can get another one of these out. Um, Not sure if I'm going to get any guests anytime soon. Uh, These solo episodes have been the most listened to. So I'm just going to go with this for a while until I feel like, damn, I need to have a guest. So yeah, that's, uh, that's where we're at today. Guys, thanks for listening. This has been wonderful. You are the best. I love you. This is the Matt Collick Show. Shine on. Shine on.